It's a rare condition in this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page. And love and tradition of a grand design. Some people say it's even harder to try. Well, then there must be some magic to inside these cheddar walls. Cause all I see is a family of dreams. Real love bursting out of every seam. But days gone by. It's the bigger love of the family. Do 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 Welcome to tonight's stream. Boy, I am just really doing terribly with these uh these watches in terms of in terms of not keeping up. I'm I'm falling behind on my quota. At this rate, I'm not gonna make 31 horror movies in 31 days. So I better I better pick up the pace. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and catch up. I am so I was so stoked about today's watch that I just simply had to go live for it. There was no there was no review that was going to do it justice unless I just put put up the Wikipedia and just talked about it. I just want to talk about how great this anthology is. VHS 99 on Shutter. It's a Shutter exclusive. The VHS franchise has been around for almost 10 years. Maybe it's been 10 years. 2012, I want to say, was the first uh, VHS, which is a found footage anthology series. Now, you know, right off the bat, and as you may have heard me discuss with Nathan on our previous episode, when we did an episode, we were reviewing Deadstream, and the writer-directors of Deadstream did a segment in this one, too. We'll get to that in a minute. The Winters, who are brilliant. They really are I hand it to you, Winters. You friggin' rule. You just, you crushed it. You friggin' crushed it. Uh, I'm not a found footage person in general. I don't really care for it. I think it's a really hard genre to do. I think it's, I think it's, it can be easier to execute than it is to come up with a really solid story. Like it's easy to just, you know, shake a camera and run around and slap something together. You know, I mean, I would say it's probably, probably one of the most democratized sort of ways to go out and make a movie, do it very, very cinema verite as dogma 95 as possible, that sort of thing. And, you know, the, the, the grand master of them all, the granddaddy of them all is Blair, Witch. however, however, there are movies that predate the Blair, Witch. not to take away from the greatness of the Blair, Witch, you have cannibal Holocaust, which, is well, I guess the original found footage granddaddy of them all, really. And I guess maybe you could say Peeping Tom before the ah no, Peeping Tom, that's that's that doesn't count. Um, why is found footage so hard to do? It's hard to do because you have to what's, what am I trying to say here? The, there's always what's the reason for keeping the camera on? That's what it really comes down to. If you're in a moment of peril. You're going to drop the camera and run as fast as you can. And if you don't drop the camera, then, you know, it's very easy to be pulled out of the story. Why wouldn't you drop the camera at this point? It's crazy that you would keep shooting. And, you know, and Nathan actually brought this up as well. Part of part of the hook of getting into found footage is just you just got to die. You just got to accept that whoever is shooting this is shooting this and wouldn't that the camera is glued to them that they're never going to let it go for whatever reason. And I even said, I was like, well, what's a good setup. And I guess a really good setup for found footage is, I guess the diary, because when someone's making a diary, it's usually like that, a reason like that is a, a solid, hard reason to, you know, want you, you're striving despite your obstacles, despite whatever horrific thing is happening to you, you are trying to document your reality in that moment, in that situation. So there's that, there's that, um, the VHS series has always been 
the top notch when it comes to found footage in general. You know why? Because found footage is something, you know, it's hard to sustain found footage and keep it interesting and flowing for, you know, 80, 90 minutes and whatnot. We got John Adoom and John Adoom says Blair Witch was the best found footage film. Um, it's hard to keep something going for 80 or 90 minutes with VHS, with the VHS found footage anthology format. It's really, it's like you're in and you're out, you're in and you're out. We get these little snippets. It's easier to digest these found footage stories when they're in smaller bite-sized chunks, in my personal opinion. So right off the bat, VHS has that going for it and, and it's great. It's phenomenal. Um, I, you know, they all kind of blend in together. Like I think more about like the individual stories. Like I couldn't specifically be like, well, VHS viral was, you know, uh, this, this, and this versus VHS two. shout out to my boy, Bob Rose, who, who edited, he edited one of the segments in VHS two, which was directed by his friend, Jamie Nash, who did that comedy of horrors anthology thing that we reviewed. Check that out. That's available now streaming. Um, there's, I think there's five or six in the series. Now there's VHS, VHS two, VHS viral VHS 94 and VHS 99. So there's five. And it was my understanding that when they were making this one, they had, they were trying to figure out what they were going to do. And one of the proposed, like, like ideas, theme ideas was because it generally goes by year VHS 94, all things shot in 94. So it's like sort of dated to 94. The original trilogy of films doesn't really have a time period. Uh, there's a new one that's coming out next year that was shot back to back with VHS 99. That's called VHS 85 and that's coming. I'm excited. Now I'm super stoked. In my personal opinion, I think this is the best one. To me, this is the best VHS anthology yet. I mean, every story is great. And the last three are scorchers. I mean, really scorchers. We're going to talk all about them. I'm going to get into the nitty gritty. Um, but yeah, so the last, I guess the last two movies or three movies now will really be focused around like the theme of a time period. And one of the proposed you know, themes was going to be VHXmas, Xmas. So it would have been holiday, you know, Christmas themed VHS found footage horror anthology, which would have been great. I would, I hope that they do that in the future. I would love to see that. I'm all for it, all for it. The, um, you know, part of the aesthetic, I guess, of found footage is that like, or, or at least the VHS series is that, you know, it's just, you know, everybody's like, there's a lot of, shakiness and jingling around the can. I guess that's just that's just common to found footage in, in general. We get five stories this time around. I think previously, I think they've all had five stories, five or four stories with a wraparound. This one doesn't really have a wraparound. In fact, what it starts off as a very loose wraparound. It's some kid playing with you know plastic soldiers. And everybody in the 90s and the 80s, like if you had a VHS camera, you were doing like stop motion with like Legos or action figures or something like that, experimenting with cameras. And they captured that aesthetic, that essence perfectly. I mean, so succinctly. I loved it. Mwah! It was great. It was really, really great. And then halfway through, halfway through this, this very, very loose sort of, you know, in between stop motion animation thing. It turns out that that this is the younger brother of one of the kids in the story. In the, I think it's the fourth story called The Gawkers. And so we're actually pulled out of our wraparound and into a story, which I freaking loved. Love that. I mean, everything about this one was very unconventional. Uh, the first one is called Shredding, and it's directed by written and directed by Maggie Levine. And so it it takes place all of them take place in 99 but we're we're sort of introduced to a i guess they're a band they're like a punk rock ish band but they're also they also do pranks and like stunts and goofy stuff it's kind of like a combination of jackass and cky more so cky 
CKY, I can't say that live on YouTube what that stands for, but CKY was a band, but it was also like Bam Margera's like prank group that was separate from from uh, Jackass. So this is like that's what this is, and they call themselves Rack R A C K, and it's I guess it's it's supposed to like be like a fusion of their names, Rachel Ankar, Chris, and Caleb, and um. Yeah, they they're they're putting out cassettes in this pre I mean we're 5 years, 6 years, we're 6 years out from YouTube, right? At the birth of YouTube, I should say. I mean, this is so crazy. Like for me this is the cradle of of my civilization, you know what I mean? Uh so I really I guess I really really connected with 99 because that's my youth. That really is my youth. And I I just love this. I loved it from start to finish. In any case, this band, they're always looking to do the next ridiculous thing. And they, you know, record themselves doing goofy stuff. And they want to they want to go to this place called the Colony Underground. And it it's like kind of like a, a DIY music venue. And it there was a fire and it burned. And uh three years prior in 1996, I there was some sort of fire and this band called bitch cat they all they were they were killed they were trampled in fact by the audience that night and it was really grizz grizzly and so they decide to explore you know the site with their camera you know to record their antics and uh the drummer whose name is anchor 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 um he's he's very apprehensive about it and he tells them that he's like he's he's scared of like something from the mythology. I think they mentioned Hindu. And if I'm wrong, please correct me. I don't remember. I think it was Hindu and it was some sort of Hindu um, mythology. It was like a demon of some kind. And they so they you know, they go on the stage and they you know, they're doing very tasteless things. And of course, we need to see them doing tasteless things because we know they're all going to be killed. And we know that, you know, the way that we always justify, they always justify this stuff is that they have to do something to deserve it. And in this case, it's taking uh, inflatable dolls that are for fornicating Forni fornication dolls. I'm sorry, using the word fornicating a lot more on these streams. They use fornication dolls. Um, it's sort of like, you know, dressed up like the band bitch cat. And they, they basically are sort of reenacting the, the trampling. And it's really, I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's so poor. It's such poor taste. They think it's really funny. Ha ha ha. And I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen. And I'm not really sure. And I'm thinking, oh, how great would it be if these dolls, these inflatable dolls came to life possessed by the, the members, you know, it's going to be something with the ghost. And there's like, there's like weird shrines down there. Someone's been living down there. They're kind of, I don't really know what they were trying to trying to convey with that. I, I didn't really, wasn't really picking up on what that was supposed to be all about. And they don't really circle back or maybe I missed something. I don't know. In any case, I thought that the dolls would come to life and, you know, wrap around them or something, which I thought would have been really creative. And it's not as it's a little bit more straightforward than that. It's just, you know, like these ghostly zombified, you know, uh, undead members of the band bitch cat. And they just, they attack and kill the band and in, in grisly ways, they like, you know, rip them apart and stuff. And, um, you know, the thing about anchor is his family is, you know, superstitious or something. And he has spices and they make fun of anchor for this. They like give him a lot of crap, you know, um, little racist almost towards him, like a little prejudice towards his background. Uh, they um, he he manages to fend them off a little bit using this this these ancient traditions or these old these family traditions, but um, he does also eventually bite it. They all bite it, and um, they basically what they do is they they take them all and they like they rip them apart and then they reassemble them. Right? They they reassemble all the band members and their limbs and have them performing kind of like, you know, I guess like puppets, right, to perform on stage. And that's the end. And so, you know, it's a very like EC horror straightforward. I enjoyed it. Fun, a, a nice, fun warm up. You know, a, an incredibly important part I should mention about anthologies. You need 
to sequence the, the stories just right. Every story, just like an album has to be properly sequenced, so does your anthology. If you start off your anthology too strong and then you finish weak, it's not going to feel good. You need to start, you need to warm up. And this was a great warm up. It was a perfect appetizer that warms you up, gets you in the mood, um, gets the juices flowing. And the sequencing is just perfect. The stories build and build. And, you know, we reach this. Oh, well, I'll get there. I'll get there. Uh, I'll talk about the sequencing as we go. So the second one, I can't say this out loud on YouTube because, again, I'll get into treble. But um, the word is a, an equivalent for unaliving yourself. That word and then the word bid. So it's that and bid. And this one's written and directed by Johannes Roberts. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And, you know, again, what I really like, at least about this segment, I don't know about previous segments, it really is, it's all like writers, directors, you know, like, I just, I love that, man. And I mean, what a great way to cut your teeth too. Not that any of these people are inexperienced in any way, shape or form, but, uh, you know, imagine like, like, you know, you're st stepping into a feature, making features, I feel like anthologies are a great way to like get there, you know, cause it's like, you're still doing shorts but it's part of a cohesive whole that is a feature. So it's like, I don't know. I like that idea. I just think that's cool. So this is the bid. And I can't say that first word because it's unalive. So you put it, put it together in your head, what that word is. And basically it's uh, about a college girl named Lily. She is, I guess she's a freshman, right? And she wants to join a sorority like you do when you're at college. And this is one of the, the best on the best of the bunch or whatever, most exclusive, you know, the in the in crowd, the click, as we used to say in, in high school and college, the bitch click, right? You know, that kind of thing. You know, something like Sigma, Alpha, whatever. And um, she is, I guess she's recording a video of herself. And she gets, you know, her roommate walks in who's like kind of like a, she's more like straight laced and stuff. And they have like a little conversation for the camera. It's done in a two shot. And I love it. I love it. I like watching this two shot. I'm going, this is how I want to do dialogue scenes in the future. Like forget the over the shoulder coverage. I know that's like, you know, it's a tool for storytelling and like it has its place. But I, I just love the I love the idea of like a two shot where you're just letting the actors do the scene. It feels like real. It feels natural. And you're 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 more invested in performance than, say, if someone is editing for the performance by, you know, chopping things up and going from take to take whatever. That's more technical. In any case, um, the roommate, the straight laced roommate, she is concerned She's not happy that Lily is applying to this sorority because she's doing what is known as the title, the title of the thing. She is doing a bid. And I guess basically what that means is, you know, if you're doing that kind of bid, you are really, truly like you're, you are, you are risking, you are, you are taking great risk because you can't apply to any other sorority and it like, will ruin your social life. And that is the unaliving part. It's the the metaphor for the unaliving of your social life, I guess. That's what it, the bid is. So you're putting a bid in that's incredibly risky. And, she, and Lily's like, I'm going to do it no matter what. I don't care. I don't care what my room, my, my goody two, two, my goody two shoes roommate has to say. She like, kind of like makes fun of her roommate that she's just going to go to the library and study and, cry that boys don't want to go out with her or whatever and she meets up with the other sorority sisters and they're you know your typical hot to trot hot stuff sorority babes that sort of thing like super 90s sorority babes and there's just something about their 90s-ness that i find like wonderful i love it and um they they take her they take lily to first it's like a church or something they like they're at like a church hall and then they go to a, a cemetery and they dare her they they want her part of her her um part of her initiation is she has to spend time inside of a coffin and they lower it into the ground she has to stay there all night and the whole point is to sort of recreate this um 
I guess it's like a, it's an urban legend or something where, you know, you had another student and she was, she was doing the same thing, except she was like left behind. Like they didn't come to get her and she, she died. Uh, she was like left there for a week and she ended up dying. And so they tell her this legend and they say, Hey, we want you to do the same thing. And she's like, okay. So she goes that, you know, your, your typical fair again, these first two stories are super tales from the crypt. Like actually, ah, man, they're all kind of tales from the crypt. Like, but like the first two really are steeped in EC horror, which is all about just desserts and, you know, resurrected dead people and whatnot. If you couldn't guess, um, you know, Lily, she's, she's willing to do this, this stunt and she, you know, she's given, oh, and she's given like a box and the box is supposed to be something that she opens in case she needs strength. And, um, they give her a camera too, cause they want to document everything. Cause we have to have a camera wherever we go. Cause it's VHS and whatnot. She goes inside her coffin and, you know, she's hanging out and, you know, they're, they're messing with her. They're like making noises. They're like tapping on the coffin and, you know, Lily decides to open the box because she is feeling scared. And of course the worst thing ever happens. Large spiders come out of the box and it is absolutely terrifying. Um, the spiders are really big. She's in a coffin. It's like my worst nightmare. It's literally my worst nightmare come to life. I like, I'm kind of have a little bit of arachnophobia, at least with spiders that look like that, like these really big spiders that are in this, this coffin with her and she's smushing them and getting green crap on her hands. And then uh, it starts to rain and the cops come and the sorority sisters who are banging and, you know, messing with her and stuff, they run off and the, the ground, the, the, the open grave that contains the coffin starts to fill with water. Absolutely terrifying. There's water leaking into the coffin. She's starting to, you know, the, the water's coming up to her face. And then we see that the girl the, the the sorority sisters jet we see that the 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 dead girl the the the, the one that it, that the urban legend is about she appears and she breaks through and lily disappears they come back the sorority sisters they come back the next day they dive into the water which seemed very unbecoming of the sisters that left like it's funny how they like run away from cops but they're willing to just like get super soaking wet by jumping into this groundwater that's in this open grave potentially with a dead body, right? Because they're like fishing, trying to fish her out and whatnot, only to find that she's not in the ground and she's disappeared. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, they, they walk off and they're like, we're, uh, they, they do a, I, I know what you did last summer thing. They walk off and they're like, we're, we'll never speak of this again. And and that will be, that will be that. Um, then, they what happens next i'm trying to remember i guess like it cuts or something or it fades to black and then they're all trapped in coffins themselves with cameras and a really scary sort of like undead lily appears and she tells them that she made a deal with the girl the other girl the urban legend girl and that she will give her, you know, some new sorority sisters if she just spares her soul. And then they all get killed and eaten or something. Who knows? And that's the end. So it's a very, you know, it's kind of a straightforward story. It's, it, you know, the story isn't anything to write home about. It's really more the atmosphere that it creates with the terrifying situation. And it's fun, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. And again, a great warm-up. It's exactly where it needs to be in the sequence. The first movie is perfect to draw you in. The first segment, the second one follows it up. And then the third one brings us to the midpoint, like the main course, if you if you ask me, really. Uh, and that doesn't take away from what's to come, because both of those segments are tremendous especially the final one the final one is like on another level but i would say ozzy's dungeon might be my personal favorite this one is written by zoe cooper and flying lotus and directed by flying lotus and 
it's like you know just like legends of the hidden temple and uh double dare combined and like what would you do all those nickelodeon shows there's a show called ozzy's dungeon right and ozzy's dungeon the way ozzy's dungeon works is that you're basically just like all the other shows it's like it's exactly like those shows guts remember guts uh on the aggro crag whatever um you're basically doing gross out things fishing around for flags you got to get flags you got to go through tubes full of goo and gut you know it's like a simulation of like a of ozzy's anatomy that's what they call it ozzy the guy's ozzy and basically what you're competing for in this particular game is a chance to meet a character named ozzy and ozzy can make your favorite wish come true so you know um we're basically i don't know what we're seeing we're just watching an episode right and the host is great. He's this dude. He's in Breaking Bad. No, he's in Better Call Saul. He's on He's on the Snowpiercer TV show, and he's in The Walking Dead. He's in a bunch of stuff. He's just a great character actor. He almost, like, I'm trying to think of what else I've seen him in. He's just a great character actor, and he plays the host, right? And um, there's a contestant. She's, uh, what's her name? Um, Donna from Detroit. Donna from Detroit. You know, they always like say like where the they're from. Like I remember, you know, and it's like kind of like it's the purple team and the green team. But I thought of like the blue barracudas and the silver monkeys from Legends of the Hidden Temple. Just such a great show. All of those shows were great, and I was just having serious nostalgia. But here's the thing: it wasn't, you know, the problem with everything today and like this idea of like you know member berries and like nostalgia corn. It's like. It's just, it's like, oh, we don't need to tell an interesting story because we're going to bank on the nostalgia. This wasn't doing that at all. This is setting us up on something. This is like mimicking something from your childhood and then twisting it and gnarling it into something much more different and elevating it for that reason. You know what I mean? And basically, you got to watch closely during this episode because everything that we're seeing in the show, you know, is setting us up for the very for the middle act of this segment basically detroit dada she's competing on the obstacle course right and she is she her leg like breaks and it's like a really brutal break like it doesn't just break a little bit it like it like like splits in half you know it's like really grisly as she's competing to get Ozzy's wish. And, you know, it's like the type of thing that's going to, it's going to make your dreams come true, whatever it is. Ozzy's wish, it's going to make your dreams come true. It's that important. And so um, she's competing. Hold on. I got to get rid of these bots here. Let's get rid of these bots. Remove. That's not helping us. Um, let's see here. Put user in timeout. All right. Maybe that will help for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully that works. So, sorry, I I, I lost my train of thought there. She uh, Donna breaks her her leg, and 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 the, the the mother Donna's mother is in the audience. Deborah, her name is Deborah. Deborah is in the audience, right? And she's like rooting for her daughter, and her daughter breaks her leg, and the the host is so like uh, he does not he's so inconsiderate. He doesn't care. He's like, whatever. Um, just sort of like shrugging his shoulders. And she's like, you know, she gets out of her chair. Deborah does. And then the tape kind of like jams. And it's like our first segue. And it pulls back and shows us that we've actually been watching a TV in this dingy basement. Right. And with the help of her husband, and there's a there's a boy and a girl. The girl is Donna, and then there's the son and the husband. The husband is filming, and the son has taken has gone to great lengths, great detail to build a like a reproduction of what we just saw, the set that we just saw in the in the VHS on the on the TV. He's rebuilt it in this dingy garage, and in a cage is the host. And clearly, years have passed over a decade, maybe longer. A lot of time has passed. The dude is gone. He now he's like bald and he's in tidy whities and they're like messing with him. And Donna is become super goth. She's like gothed out 
and her leg is like rotten. It's like rotten and like disgusting and peeling. And she's confined to a wheelchair and all of her dreams have been ruined, you know? Um, and basically what they do is they make this host go through this, like this, this, this really grisly saw like version of the Aussie's dungeon game instead of like, you know, the idea is that he's going through this digestive track in the show, you're going through a digestive track and it's like all like, you know, green jello and goop and stuff. But in real life, it's feces, you know, like stuff like that. And they injure him and they have this hydrochloric acid that could like eat through anything. And um, they, they they're threatened that we're going to pour this this acid on you if you don't do the course and you only have 60 seconds and he's like that's not fair and she's like donna's like you know your game was rigged your game was not fair and he kind of cops to it but whatever so you kind of you know see through the veneer of the of the of the show which was obviously canceled after the incident with donna i guess deborah deborah donna donna um so he goes through the obstacle course he crawls through the feces and he barely completes it. He barely com- completes the, the course. And he is uh, threatened by the mother, Deborah, you know, and he he's like, look, 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 listen, listen, because she's about to like get him. She's about to get him anyway. She doesn't care. She th- That's the whole point of the revenge. He goes, look. Uh, if you want your wish, your the wish, Ozzy's wish that you wanted from the from the show, I can get it for you. We just got to go down to the studio, and I'll get it for you. So they this is takes us into the third part, the third, the third section of the the third act. They go to the set for Ozzy's dungeon, and they see that there's like armed guards. It's like like there's a lot of security and they they have to go through another like the back door or something so they're guarding something in there what could it be and they go through the set and they come to this weird wooden door it's like this large door and like there's this weird woman this like very i don't know how to know how to describe her she's very muscular muscular amazonian woman who um was there back then and she's there now and she's unchanged. She hasn't aged a day. So, you know, something is up with her and they go inside and they're, they, they go walking through this cave. They're recording the whole time. Husband's been recording on his VHS camera this whole time. Right. So that's what, that's our VHS camera for the thing. They go into this cave and then they, they discover this. I mean, when you see what Ozzy is, it's this like naked, like super pregnant fat woman. That's the only way to describe it with like a slit going down her stomach. It's so crazy. Right. Um, And, or I guess maybe that's supposed to be Ozzy. I don't know. In any case, this crazy, like HP Lovecraft style creature comes out of Ozzy's stomach. I guess that's supposed to be Ozzy. And that's what makes the wish, right? So Donna makes a wish and you're not really sure. Like you, you don't hear her make the wish. He just says, okay, make your wish. And then the the entity appears, right? And the entire family, uh, the husband, uh, Deborah, the mother and the brother, all of their faces start to melt. They like their, all their faces sizzle and gurgle and melt and then we see uh, Donna smiling. The camera like pulls in on her smiling face. And we know that Donna has made this wish. You know, nothing I said just now could possibly do it justice. You just have to see it. I mean, I'm spoiling the crap out of this. I'm assuming you've seen it already. Uh, it's It was by far, it probably is my favorite. This and the final segment are my absolute favorites. Uh, Gawkers, the next one we're going to talk about is a close third, followed by the first two in no particular order. Uh, but Ozzy's Dungeon, what a what a peak! It just it's this this you know this this sequencing is like a roller coaster. They just do such a great job. Uh, it's sticky, and you know what else is sticky? Riot stickers. Riot stickers are sticky. Riot stickers, sponsor of this channel right here there you go riotstickers.com riot stickers we are the bomb i'm gonna play our little 
segment for you. We're doing a special deal with Bryant stickers. Get a thousand stickers for $79. These stickers are UV coated to protect from the sun, from the sun. They're printed on vinyl to protect from water. And uh, they, they maintain, man, I love them. They maintain. So get that deal. Now that's seven cents per sticker. You can't go wrong. You can only get it via the link in the description. That's riotstickers.com backslash from us. You don't need a code. You just go there and do the thing, riotstickers.com. We make stickers, banners, and buttons too. Posters and promo cards. There's nothing we can't print for you. From stage backdrops to bass drum heads. We can print on shirts. We can print on hats. We can print on pants. All right, Riot Stickers. Okay, so our next segment is called the Gawkers, and this is where again we go back to we go back to the Toy Soldiers, you know, the the intercut, the wraparound segment, and that pulls us into that. Then pulls us into our next story, and we found out it's the younger brother of this of the younger brother to this other guy, right, um, named Dylan. Right. And we're introduced to Dylan. He's like posing in front of the camera. It's really, really goofy. And there's this little thing. It's funny. Like the mom is like calling out. She's like, honey, do you want a snack? And he's like, yeah, mom. She's like, you want pizza pockets? He's like, duh. And it's just so funny because it's such a 90s thing. And I don't know why. It's just like, it's just like there's such a comfort factor. Okay. So this is written by uh, a guy named Chris Lee Hill and another guy named Tyler Mackin. McIntyre, McIntyre. Okay, Tyler is a friggin' genius. He wrote. Okay, so he directed Tragedy Girls, one of the best slashers since Scream, in my opinion. It's up there with Scream. It's so friggin' good. Tragedy Girls, check it out if you haven't seen it. And he also did a Frankenstein film called Patchwork that is so. Awesome, and I like blows my mind that not more people talk about this film. It's really horrific. It's like the best blending of Frankenstein and and body horror, I guess. And he also did one of those in the dark things for for Bloomhouse for for Bloomhouse for Hulu called Good Boy, and that's not a big fan of that one. But uh, Tragedy Girls and Tragedy Girls and um, Patchwork. Uh, uh, tremendous features, tremendous. And Gawkers goes right up there with it. You know, I would say Patchwork and Tragedy Girls and then Gawkers right after it. I, I can't compare Patchwork and Tragedy Girls. They're just both really good. So anyway, Dylan goes off to have some pizza pockets and, and the little kid we find out, his name is Brady, okay? He's the little brother. And um, and he has some friends. One of them, his name is Boner, which is so friggin' funny. I love that he's Boner. And they're kind of like, you know, jackasses too. They, you know, you know, they mess around. They do skateboarding. They find a weird snakeskin and like buy like this like runoff. And they like dare, they like pressure their friend to try and eat it for 50 cents. He's like, I'll eat your mom for 50 cents. Ha 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 ha. DLW did not like the new Halloween, but he's in the wrong stream. Go watch that D DLW. Did you watch the Halloween stream? Go watch that and then see if you, uh, you well, actually don't watch it. You're going to hate it because I liked it. You're not going to like what I have to say. That's the truth. I don't know what to tell you. In any case, um, there's this hot girl next door and they're all gawking at her and her name is uh sandy sandra sandra she lives in this house next door 
and they film her and drool drool over her. They they goof on the, the <laughs> Halloween as a whole. You Grinch, you're like a Halloween Grinch, DLW. Uh, they 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 just drool over the her as they film her and they want to pull an American pie side. Oh, they like they they're goofing on the uh the delivery guy who's I think he's either yeah, he's in he's in there earlier. Um, the delivery guy who's also trying she's kind of like you get the gist that she's probably gonna be like a siren or something, if you know what a siren is. Um, that's not what she is. She's something far, you know, just as nefarious, I would say. In any case, they want to do this um, the classic American pie bit where I don't I'm not saying it's classic like it's a revered thing. I mean, like it's just from American pie. That's what makes it classic. I mean, we've all come to realize how how incredibly twisted and screwed up the what they do in American pie is and it's no different here. But you know what's profound? Like basically what they want to do is he uh Brady reveals because he's like some tech guy that that she has asked him to help her set up her webcam and they want him to install a spyware so they can watch her and potentially see her naked or nude which is what they do in American Pie right like it's the same thing and it's just funny like 90s sensibilities which are really built on 80s sensibilities around teenagers and sex and consent and all these things and it's amazing how stuff has like transformed how that was once considered okay how they're they're pressuring brady into telling him he's a god if he can pull this off how he's he'll be worshiped he'll be a legend and just like that that peer pressure like all of it all of it added up and made sense to me in that moment little brother wants to be accepted by older kids Again, it's just that that this it too is a tales from the crypt setup. It's like a perfect tales from the crypt setup, right? Uh, kids that are deserve their just desserts, that sort of thing. So he goes over there and they set it up, and they just wait, right? They're just waiting, and they, you know, they're the best part of the whole thing isn't even what what what's about to come. The best part is the kids talking like '90s kids. There is a joke about Y2K, and I thought that this was could have been like going towards Y2K, and I'm a little surprised that we didn't get a straight up Y2K scenario. Um, you can find this film on Shutter, Edson. You can find it on Shutter, which is a streaming service. It's it's there as an exclusive. So, you know, like the the best part is just hearing the guys all talk. You know, they're talking about their ideal lineup, Creed, Limp Biscuit. Like, it's just so funny. It's just so dated. It's a little, it's a little, you know, it's a little banking on the nostalgia, but that's okay. Like, again, that's what makes it so great is because it's such a slice of life. That's what they're really capturing. A bunch of kids with nothing better to do than spy on the girl, which is what, you know, the 90s you know, or at least in pop culture, like in movies, like that's what the nineties were sort of about in a weird kind of way, or at least that's what nineties sensibilities lean towards or what pop culture was, was, was trying to shove down audiences throats, right or wrong. That's what it was kind of all about a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's like what watching all of that. It's something that like clearly is wrong, but it's so familiar in the sense of like, wow, yeah, that's the way things used to be, that kind of thing. And um, again, building on what, you know, I mean, look at like Revenge of the Nerds in the 80s, 16 Candles. So this film is clearly like trying to say something about it. And there's even a moment where Brady sets up the camera and it feels terrible about it. He goes, I feel like a creep, which is the filmmakers trying to show that like what these guys did was wrong. And of course, as it turns out, Sandra is actually a Gorgon. And if you know what a Gorgon is from Greek mythology, that's what Medusa is a Gorgon. She's a Medusa. So she has snakes for hair and that's why she was setting, shedding snake skin and she shows her tits. So we do see some tits. Uh, it's funny. Horror movies today, for the most part, do not, rely on nudity the way that they used to nudity is nudity is not like 
a standard staple, a tandem staple, the way it was in the aughts or the nineties or the eighties. It's funny how it's kind of gone out of fashion on occasion. You do get nudity. You get more nudity. I think in Indies. No, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Yeah. Maybe it is true. Than you do in like mainstream studio pictures. In any case, the Gorgon goes crazy. Like, uh, you know, they're because they're they're watching her on their computer. You know, it's the the the, the American Pie setup, and they run over and they rip they rip her to they rip her to bit. They rip the 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 Gorgon rips all the kids to bits. Lynn says, "Never trust a junkie." What are you in reference to? What is that in reference to? I don't know. Um, they rip her to bits. Sorry, why are we saying her to bits? They rip the kids to bits. They turn the Gorgon turns them to stone and they fall and break apart the end. Uh, and it's great, man. It's great. And uh it's awesome. Even though that even though Brady tries to like atone and like apologize. And oh, 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 you're saying screaming bloody mess you're referring to bodies are you referring to the wonderful t-shirts that i have in my t-shirt shop right below here which by the way are way too overpriced i'm sorry i will lower those prices when i get a chance in my brand new t-shirt shop actually you can find them for cheaper go into the description and you will find them cheaper in the description at another t-shirt store i have three t-shirt stores store frontier is the cheapest prices spring and then this one's probably the most priciest of all i sell t-shirts great way to support the channel shameless plug that's what lynn is referring to i think i think okay so the last story is called to hell and back and it's written and directed by vanessa and joseph winter this is the same couple that directed dead scream which is also on shutter they're like found footage rock stars, if you ask me. And we talked about how much we loved Dead Scream. In fact, no, Dead Stream. I think it's called Dead Stream, not Dead Scream. Dead Stream was just a, just absolutely the best found footage I'd seen in a long time. So in terms of like feature length found footage, Dead Stream is the way to go. And they follow it up with a segment. They basically have proven that they are the best at at Deadstream, at bleh, at found footage. I can't talk. So To Hell and Back takes place on New Year's Eve, 1999. So I'm thinking, oh boy, this is going to be a Y2K thing. We see the old lady with, with the year 2000 glasses on. I'm going, getting really, really excited. And um, okay, Rue Morg, what's up, buddy? He's saying that never trust a junkie quote is from Sid and Nancy Flick. Ah, yes, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I figured it was a Sid thing, a Sid and Nancy thing. Um, To Helen back. So, like I said, Y2K, you think it's going to be Y2K, you see the little old lady with glasses, and as it turns out, there you have these two documentary film guys. They're like videographers, basically. You know, they're, they're just there to, they've been hired to document the event. They're documentary makers or something, I don't know. And their name, they're Nate and Troy, right? And they are recording this ritual, uh, this like seance um, for, a, for a group of witches. And there's this woman and she is voluntarily offering herself as a vessel to be possessed by a demon called uh, Ukaban. <laughs> Ukaban, I love that name, Ukaban. And um, they're kind of like, they think it's all a joke. They think it's goofy and ridiculous. And so they're not really taking it seriously. The witches, they, they do their ritual uh, to call upon uh, Ukaban. And what happens is they, because the whole idea is that, you know, around the stroke of midnight, you know, on new year's Eve, that's when, you know, the membrane between the earth and, you know, other dimensions are at its thinnest. So you can transfer, things can move between worlds very easily, right? Um, and so they start doing the this ritual and there's another demon 
called um i forget his name but there's another demon who's like i guess like a low lower demon or something he's like kind of like an impish demon he 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 comes out of nowhere and the, you get the gist that this has happened before and the witches aren't like too like shocked or anything but so they what they do is they decide to send this other demon back to its realm but the demon or the the witches or somebody um ends up taking them down to hell they turns out to be hell so these two documentary filmmakers find themselves in hell and the way they set up hell it's just like this hellish landscape it's just like this rocky this endless infinite rocky sphere and what's really great about the segment is you really feel like you've been personally transported to hell. Like that's what it would be like if just like an if hell was real and you go there, that's what it is. And it's just like there are terrifying monsters and demons and all sorts of like lots of cannibalism. There are these weird like bear traps that are super nightmarish and they they're just like I mean they are in the worst place. One of them finds like this weird trident pitchfork and of course we can actually see uh satan or lucifer or somebody he's this giant horned demon we see him in the background just like lording over this like this this de desert it's like desert and like caves and like just whatever hellish landscape is the best way to describe it and they bump into they bump into i guess it's like it's a human from a very long time ago uh, from the way she speaks. That's what gives her away. Obviously her name is Mabel and Mabel is probably from like the middle ages. She's brown teeth and you know, she wears tattered rags and she's got scars all over her body. And she basically becomes the best character ever. She agrees to help them uh, to escape because what they figure out is if we can get to this guy, Ukaban, by midnight because i guess their watches still work by the way they have their cameras that's how we're seeing all this if they can get to this this demon then they'll be able to ride him back to earth or wherever and and make it home right by midnight the year 2000 so they're walking across hell and they bump into all sorts of nightmarish like half human half like caterpillar like all just weird stuff eating bodies there's like bodies on roasting spits um it just it just because and they they're not sure if they should trust mabel or not she basically wants them to write her name in the, the book of witches right and like it's like super important to her and they like agree to do it or whatever they get her. So they go through this crazy hellscape and they have to like go through like the back end of this, this place where like clearly all the excrement comes out and they're like crawling through it. One of the guys gets like a small little hand trap on. It's just, I, I, I personally was like really like offset and terrified by what I was watching. Cause I was like, this is really scary. Like this is hell. Um, this is like the Christian hell or whatever, I guess, because I don't think Jews have a hell like this. This is not um, this is not in our theology. And so Mabel helps them get there, but she gets the, of course, they start fighting off these demon entity things. Mabel gets stabbed and the friends make it to Ukaban, who is like this crazy demon. His stomach opens up and they they like collide with him. and. It, they take a ride back to the earthly plane, but things are complicated because one of them is now in the vessel, the vessel, the voluntary vessel. He's now hopped into her body and they're really pissed off about it. So they kill both of them. They kill the one dude with the camera and they kill the other dude who, who, you know, gets absorbed into the vessel. And um, as the guy with the camera is dying. He writes Mabel's name in the book used to, to summon Ukaban, right? And he does it in his own blood, and then the tape ends. And then at the end credits, as the end credits come, and then we get a dose of dancing, baby. That's right. The song Long Way Back to Hell, which is the perfect way to close out this trilogy with the, what we just watched to Hell and Back, uh, plays. And after that, 
there's like this little end cap thing. It's just the the witches are performing the ritual again, but this time uh, they are calling out to Mara, uh, Mabel to come. So you think maybe Mabel's going to, you know, this is the type of hell where like you could just be killed over and over again and ripped apart over and over again for like endless torture. And it's just so well done. It's just, it's, it's up there. I remember the Heaven's Gate. Remember Heaven's Gate from VHS 2? With the, uh, I think it was in Thailand. That was the Thailand one. Thailand or so, one of the South Pacific countries. Forgive me for not remembering which exact one it was. I think it was Thailand. Maybe it was the Philippines. It was one of them. I don't remember which. It was a long time ago. And it was, that to me has always stood out as one of the best uh, segments, found footage segments I've ever seen ever. And this one is just right up there because it's just so much fun. And isn't that what you want? You want to go into these movies having fun. And so that's my review. I, I it, it just, it was fun as an anthology. It was fun as found footage. And like what the last segment gave to me is what I think all found, like good effective found footage does. And I said this a little bit earlier, it puts you into the scenario. That's what the first, the second story does that really well too. When you're in the coffin with the girl, uh, Lily, when you're with Lily in the coffin, surrounded by spiders, it it plugs you into the story, and you start to like imagine what if that was me. And I mean, all horror movies do that to an extent, but found footage really takes it up another notch because there's a sense of realism in the in the idea that you're watching a tape of a recording that really happened, that sort of thing. So check out this anthology. I hope you've seen it because I just spoiled the crap out of it. And we'll be back with more. I got a lot of catching up to do. I've got, wow, now I have five movies to catch up. We'll see, 18, 19, 20. I, I'm four movies behind. God damn it. Rue, you shouldn't have watched this stream, Rue, because you. I just spoiled the crap out of this. You should just watch it. And yes, you really should watch it because you're going to love the dancing. You're going to love hearing the dancing. It's just, it's great. I, I, I really liked it. Five out of five stars. Tremendous. Um, you enjoyed the stream please take a moment to support us become a youtube member join the patreon um irivana part three is up on the patreon and out for the youtube members it's not going to be available on public youtube um there will be more public uh continuation episodes of the irivan i think the next one will be but parts two and three are not going to be public so it gives you incentive to join uh, check out the t-shirt shop. Thank you, Rue. Good to see you, buddy. And um, he says, dude, you keep me company while I'm working in my shop. That makes me happy. You know, Rue makes really cool coffins, everybody. I don't know if you saw. Somebody was highlighting his beautiful work. I've seen it up close. He makes gorgeous, gorgeous coffins. You should check it out. Rue, you should put a link to your shop or if you have one in the uh, comments of this video. And yeah, just like to 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 let everybody know that Rue makes really good stuff and uh that's it i'm gonna take us out with the patreon thing as always peace hair grease i gotta go off and watch another horror movie i'm gonna get into bed early watch a horror movie so i can keep up keep up with the keep up with the stuff gotta make it to 31 otherwise i feel like a failure because yeah all right patreon hey guys what's going on it's jeff so i've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk, and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now, I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers, and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support, for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 
38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee. But it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that $1.38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.